coming up this evening on NTD Business. A strong jobs report from the Labour Department today, suggesting the jobs recovery is still on track. Where are the jobs and how are companies trying to attract workers? Automakers are reporting earnings. So we take a look at the current state of the industry, what are the most recent trends and what are the obstacles? And interest rates in the European Union is staying steady, but the central bank signals that rate hikes could come later this year. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here, live from New York City. New data out today suggests the jobs recovery is stronger than we knew. The Labor Department says the U.S. added 467,000 jobs last month. It also revised up the job growth number for November and December last year by more than 700,000. The president today touting the strong recovery. America's job machine is going stronger than ever, fueling a strong recovery and opportunity for hardworking women and men all across this great country. Restaurants and bars added more than 100,000 jobs in January. There were more logistics, business services jobs filled too. Also, the labor force is now 1.3 million people stronger than last month. But according to First Trust Economics, much of that is down to updated census data rather than people making themselves available for work again. That means despite more jobs added for the last three months, the unemployment rate actually ticked up to 4%. First time we've seen that in a while. So joining us to discuss the jobs report is Sarah Gordon, Senior Vice President with business consulting firm Robert Half. Sarah, great to see you again. Thanks for coming on. So nice to be here, Paul. Sarah, pretty positive jobs report, I think, all around. It seems businesses maybe are finding it easier to fill positions. Am I right? I think that businesses are getting more flexible in the way that they're willing to fill the positions, Paul. So we know that the job uh, jobs overperformed, but more and more employers are getting more flexible when it comes to remote work, opening up to those alternative uh, candidate pools that we've talked about in the past. So I think it's a robust economy coupled with employers that are taking advantage and looking for different ways to pull in folks that may have been um, unemployed up to this point back into the workforce. When we speak with business owners throughout the month or, or, or recently, they are still struggling to, to get enough help, talent to, 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 to do the work. Are you expecting this to change throughout the year? Where do you see the change coming from? You know, Paul, I know we've talked a lot about this, but I think the economy is still finding its new equilibrium. So expect the continue to expect the unexpected in 2022. I think what's really important here when we're talking about the skills gap or the labor gap, which I think really plays into your question, is that companies take the time to either build their own upskilling and reskilling and learning development program internally, or they work with an outside third party that can help them do that so that they can either upskill and reskill their current employee population to higher skilled roles, or take on folks that may not have the hard skills that they're looking for, but have those soft skills and quickly train them and acclimate them into their workforce. So creating your own labor pool is going to be a very hot topic, I think, in the coming months.
So really you're saying if, I, if I'm out of work or if I'm in a particular job, maybe I want to dip my toe in the great resignation or great reevaluation as maybe you've put it in the past, I don't need to first upgrade my skills in a particular area and then look for the job. You, you think there are businesses out there who are willing to, to take me on and, and train me in-house and then do the job from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think really focusing on your when you look at your body of work as the employee, making sure or the applicant, making sure you're really highlighting past accomplishments as well as what you're enthusiastic and passionate about and showing up for those interviews in a way where you're talking about what the kind of the cornerstones of what you've developed and then where you want to develop and seeking out employers that are willing to train and that are advertising opportunities for development. There you go. Big opportunity. Sarah Gordon, Robert Half, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. And Ford announcing today that Google will be joining the automaker's efforts to transform a once dilapidated Detroit train station into a research hub focused on electric and self-driving vehicles. The 100-year-old station has stood empty since the last train left in 1988 came to symbolize Detroit's long decline from America's manufacturing powerhouse to its biggest municipal bankruptcy. In 2018, Ford announced its plans to transform the Detroit neighborhood into the Michigan Central Innovation District, where it plans to research, test, and launch new mobility solutions. Google will open a lab nearby to teach computer science to high school students. Ford says renovations at the site could be completed as soon as next year. A few big automakers have reported earnings. That's given us some insight into the state of the auto industry. GM and Tesla beating estimates. Ford missing. Anthony's Don Ma takes a look at what the trends are and what the obstacles are the industry is facing. So far, three big American automakers have reported earnings, all of them beating expectations except for Ford record earnings for many of them because of those disruptions causing a really a global shortage of vehicles mixed with very high demand for you know durable goods of all kinds including cars and so they were able to command much higher pricing. Dan Hirsch is a managing director in the automotive and industrial practice at Alex Partners. Hirsch says automakers saw high profitability on low volume. However, there was a common theme during the earnings calls. Multiple supply chain challenges. Supply chain challenges. Industry-wide supply chain disruptions. That means that cars can't be built. There's many that are partially built, but you can't sell a car that's only 99% complete. And this is really hurting the auto industry. We ended up with 15.2 million sales instead of what was projected at 17.5 million. Lauren Fix is an automotive expert at Car Coach Reports. Fix says chip, rubber, and component shortages still plague the industry. Being short 2 million, and just on average, you're looking at $10,000 profit per vehicle, you do the math, and it's like $400 billion of lost sales. Ford CFO John Lawler says supply chain problems made them miss production targets. And while GM did better in 2021 overall compared to 2020, it made $3.9 billion less in the fourth quarter compared to the same period the year before. Steel continues to be the largest contributor to uh, the, the bill of material cost of most cars, almost any car, really. Uh, there's a, that, that's the single largest contributor. 
Um, but other metals like aluminum and copper, uh, where there's less of them, but the, those costs are quite high. Plastic resins, uh, again, very high. And another common theme, electrification. Both GM and Ford are investing billions into electric vehicles. As the White House hopes 50% of new cars will be zero emission vehicles by 2030. However, there are many challenges here. 3% of total sales are electric cars, even though the press is constantly talking that, oh, everybody's looking at EVs. They may be looking, but they're not buying them. Fix says electric vehicles face big hurdles, such as a lack of charging stations. Whether or not the power grid can handle many cars charging simultaneously, the long amount of time it takes takes to charge, in addition to waiting for other people to finish charging so that you can. Range anxiety and battery sensitivity to things such as cold temperatures, wind, or steep hills. Sounds great on the surface. You have to look a little deeper. It's also more expensive to repair these vehicles. Tires are more expensive. They wear out quicker. And so these are things to think about. Toyota and Honda report earnings next Wednesday. Don Ma, NTD News. Another bumpy ride on Wall Street today saw the Nasdaq recovering much of what it lost yesterday, part of that thanks to Amazon. Its shares are up 14% today after that strong earnings report from yesterday. The Dow fell 21 points, less than one-tenth of a percent. S&P 500 gained 23 points, about half a percent. And the Nasdaq today gained 219 points, about one and six-tenths of a percent. Oil prices, though, have surged again past the $90 mark, fueled by fears that geopolitical tensions and a cold snap in the United States could further squeeze supply. In Friday's trading, West Texas Intermediate and Brent crude both rising over $2 a barrel to over $93. That is the highest level since 2014. So far this year, U.S. crude has gained 24%, while Brent, the global benchmark, has rallied 20%. Some analysts predict oil will reach $100 pretty soon, sorry to tell you, and there's no sign of an immediate boost to supply. This week, OPEC declined to ramp up production instead of sticking to its schedule of a more modest increase. But some other analysts warn there are downside risks, including Omicron dampening demand, concerns about slowing economic growth around the world, and fears of market corrections as central banks tighten policy to try curb surging prices. The European Central Bank, though, not worried about surging prices, it seems. It's keeping its low interest rates unchanged. That's despite rising inflation in the eurozone and other economies already set to tighten their monetary policy, U.S. included. Anthony's Evelyn Lee spoke to some experts to find out what choices the European Central Bank is facing. The European Central Bank says inflation is running hotter than it expected, and risks are tilted to the upside. Instead of eurozone prices increasing 4.4% like expected, annual inflation hit a record 5.1% in January. ECB President Christine Lagarde addressed inflation at a press conference Thursday. She said she will leave interest rates unmoved, at least for now, until more data is available in March. We will be in a position to make a thorough assessment again on the basis of data. And I cannot prejudge what that will be. The EU isn't alone in dealing with inflation. The Bank of England imposed its first back-to-back -back interest rate hikes since 2004. And in the U.S., Wall Street predicts the Fed will raise rates up to seven times this year. So why the hesitancy in the Eurozone? 
Economist Daniel Lacaya says it's a difficult choice between curbing inflation or maintaining cheap financing for states that spend more than they make. On the one hand, inflation in the eurozone is at a 30-year high. Uh, and at the same time, you have a number of member states in the eurozone which have enormous deficits that they could not uh, finance in a normal situation unless the ECB purchased the, the entirety of the net issuances. To finance those deficits, states are taking on debt. The problem is the the public debt, when the government sells bonds and it adds to the public debt, there's no program in place to ever pay that money back. Michael Busler, a professor of finance, says they sell new bonds to pay back old bonds, but that could become a very heavy burden for future generations to carry. Instead, Busler and Lakaya say the ECB should raise interest rates as soon as possible. And even faster than that, the ECB should stop printing money to buy those bonds. Although the EU may be afraid of going into recession, Buzzler thinks it isn't an issue. According to him, the economy has seen steady growth in the past months. What's more important is to curb inflation sooner rather than later. So it puts a, a hardship on um, lower income workers and fixed income. It also leads to a bad psychology and that eventually leads to um, a wage price spiral that's unsustainable. With higher prices, people ask for increased wages, which then drives prices further up. Buzzer says to finally get out of it would be very difficult and could bring on a severe recession. Evelyn Lee, NTD News. The world has rarely been so concerned about the actions of central banks. But as Evelyn Lee just mentioned, soaring prices around the world are leading many to ask what role loose monetary policy is playing in inflation. Well, someone just wrote the book on that. Best-selling author Christopher Leonard's The Lords of Easy Money, just been published by Simon & Schuster. The book details, in a way that's easy to understand, the impact of the Federal Reserve's interventions in the U.S. economy over the decades. It asks questions like how has central bank, quote, money printing worsened wealth inequality, how have low interest rates put the financial stability at risk, and how have past Federal Reserve leaders handle the type of inflationary environment we see today, an environment the author says is directly caused by the Fed's policies. So we're delighted to be joined by the man behind the Lords of Easy Money, this New York Times bestselling author, Christopher Leonard. Christopher, real pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Christopher, I must say a great read, well-written book, and I think given all the attention around inflation and on the Federal Reserve this year and last year, I feel a very important book. I think James Grant from Grant's Interest Rate Observer put it well at the, uh, uh, his review of the book. He said, a monetary page-turner, Christopher Leonard, has actually produced one. And I feel reading this book, even if somebody is not necessarily up to speed with central bank policy, etc., there's a lot that could be taken from this book. After your research, how do you go about explaining the risks of loose monetary policy to someone who maybe isn't up to speed with central bank policy? Do you have a starting point? I did. And and the entire purpose of this book is to try to explain in quick and easy terms to people what the Federal Reserve has been doing over the last decade and how it affects our lives. That's why I wrote it. I, I, I want this to be a book you can read at the end of the night after a long day of work 
and still be able to grasp it because you know the fed the central bank has been engaged in a 10 year long experiment that is truly unprecedented in keeping money easy that means keeping interest rates at zero while pumping trillions of dollars into the banking system and and for me the way i got into it to tell the story is really through through the people involved uh, you know the main character who starts the book is a federal reserve official named tom honig who who tried to stop what the fed was doing you know he tried to vote against it and we look into why he did that and then another main character is the guy who's currently chairman of the federal reserve jay powell who's who's been running these programs since he took leadership of the central bank so it's really through these human stories that I try to make it easy to kind of stick with the with the action. I think one of the key themes of the book, and it's something that I feel isn't really talked about too much in in, in the media, is wealth inequality that could potentially be caused by loose monetary policy. Can, can you go into that a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely, and that is such a key point that that I think needs to be understood. So. You know, here's one of the headlines of what the Federal Reserve has done. You know, in the first century of its existence, the Fed printed about a trillion dollars, is the best way to put it. They expanded our monetary base to a trillion dollars. But then over the last decade, the Fed printed three and a half trillion of dollars between 2008 and 2014. So what we're saying here is the Fed did 350 years worth of money printing in four years. Now, the reason that that has stoked income inequality, as you just said, and, and the reason why it has divided the, the very, very rich from everybody else, is that this program of money printing was designed to pump up the price of assets, like the stock market, or the corporate bond markets, or real estate. That's really the one way the Fed could drive economic growth. The problem with that is, in the United States, just the top 1% of the population, the wealthiest 1%, they own about 40% of all the assets. Whereas the bottom half of America, you know, half of the country owns only 5% of the assets. So when the Federal Reserve is trying to pump up these asset markets to boost growth, it is necessarily enriching the very richest of, of, of Americans, you know, inflating the wealth of the biggest of the big banks while most wage earners are, are frankly treading water. Yeah. I think we've had economists on this show since the, the, the beginning of the pandemic when the Fed embarked on, on this massive spending spree, uh, as you alluded to, and we heard about this K-shaped recovery, right? People yes. who held assets recovered much faster, became much wealthier, and now we see consumer prices rising in tandem and the lower rungs of society are being being hurt by that uh, mostly. This is what economists had, had told us. I think the, the piece in the book where you went through Paul Volcker and how he uh, combated inflation, I'll leave it to the, the audience to pick up a copy and read, but it, it's fascinating reading. So Christopher Leonard, Lords of Easy, uh, Easy Money, real pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the time. With that, we're gonna take a quick break, but still to come. TurboTax is teaming up with a crypto exchange so you can convert your tax refund into cryptocurrency. And another Tesla recall, the second one announced this week. What's the problem this time and what do owners need to do? That and much more coming up on NTD Business.
Welcome back. How'd you like to get your tax refund deposited into your crypto account? TurboTax is teaming up with crypto exchange Coinbase to do exactly that. They just started a direct deposit program on Thursday, so TurboTax can now send your tax refunds to your Coinbase account and convert your dollars into crypto. Coinbase says it's trying to make it easy for people to get into the crypto economy, so they're offering all kinds of direct deposits, including a paycheck program. Because of crypto's high volatility, some experts say with these types of services, proceed with caution. And alcohol is back on Southwest Airlines flights. Well, at least it will be February 16th. The airline had reduced beverage offerings during the pandemic, just stocking some sodas, juice and coffee. But soon flights will have beer, wine and liquor for sale. And more, some more non-alcoholic drinks will be sold for free. Southwest says customers can use their 2020 and 2021 drinks coupons throughout this year. The pandemic marked the beginning of the Great Resignation. That's where record numbers of workers around the world quit their jobs. For one young professional, though, it was the best decision she ever made. Today's Andrew Thomas has the story. Welcome to this episode of Corporate... When Gabby Yaniello, 28, decided to quit her six-figure corporate job in Manhattan in February 2021, she didn't have much of a plan. But what she had was a deep conviction that she couldn't go back to the office. Best decision ever. I, there are times where things are stressful and challenging, but I've dealt with more stressful things in my corporate job when I was there. So there's nothing I can't handle. And I have a great team of people who support me and business colleagues from all over the world that I can tap if I need. So it's been surreal is a nice way of saying it. Nearly 4 million Americans on average quit their jobs each month last year an unprecedented wave of workplace turnover as the economy emerged from a pandemic-induced recession. Job openings are at historically high levels, and there aren't enough workers to fill all the positions. With hiring still outpacing the level of quits, some economists say the trend dubbed the Great Resignation is really more of a great reshuffling, as people take advantage of the tight labor market to move into jobs with better pay and more flexibility, or to try something new. But it just dawned on me, we live on this world, this earth, for about anywhere from 60 to 100 years, depending on how we take care of ourselves. And so I'd rather spend, you know, two or three years kind of struggling, right, maybe being a little broke while I find that business, while I find that new venture, um, because then I'm giving myself the opportunity to kind of do what it is that lights me up for the rest of my life. For Yaniello, the pandemic provided an opportunity to work from home and a wake-up call. She realized she wanted to spend more time with her family, she also didn't want to follow the career path of her higher-ups, who didn't inspire her. So she decided to create her own podcast and help other people quit their jobs. Definitely not easy, but the finances thing, I'm still figuring that out, I'm not going to lie. We are progressing very rapidly and we're growing every single day and we're trying to figure out our numbers and our projections for 2022 are going to be great. But again, it's still a business, right? I have to hire a team and do all these things. So that presents its own set of challenges, but it's been great. In her corporate quitter podcast, Yaniello features guests who overcame obstacles and succeeded on their own to inspire her listeners around the world. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And Tesla is recalling more than 800,000 vehicles. It's due to a faulty seatbelt reminder. 
Impacted vehicles include 2021 and 2022 models X, S, 3, and Y. The problem is, the seatbelt chime fails to sound in some Teslas after being interrupted. For example, if you exit the car while the chime is ringing and then re-enter. But since that chime is controlled by software, Tesla plans to fix the issue by sending an over-the-air update. That means owners will not have to bring their vehicles to a service center for the fix. But it marks the second time this week Tesla issued a recall. The first was related to the problem with the company's self-driving software, where that issue allowed vehicles in its pilot program to roll through stop signs without coming to a complete stop. A French brewery is dyeing its beer blue using seaweed with natural pigments. The colorful drink also wows beer lovers with a fresh taste. Take a look. A French brewer has succeeded in making a unique blue beer known as Line. The beer's blue hue comes from spirulina, an algae grown in basins on a farm in France. It's true that we can directly see that the water is green. You have to look through a microscope and go further to really see its spiral form. This spirulina, which we use as a health and dietary supplement, is also what we use to extract the blue pigment for in the blue beer. The blue pigment is added during the brewing process. The brewery, known as Hoppy Urban Brew, sold 1,500 bottles of the blue beer between October and December last year. The company is now ramping up production to meet the ever-rising demand. It is interesting to hear the reactions from customers who want more and even from those who are curious to see all that we could do with beer. There's very few limits on what recipes we can do. One of the company's employees tastes a newly produced bottle of beer. We can taste that it has a light alcohol content with quite the taste of hops. With slight notes of citrus fruits. And in the back of the mouth, there's a slight taste of lychee. It's quite refreshing. One challenge for producers was achieving a blue hue, as the beer's natural yellow hue often leads to a greenish tint. But brewery staff say the popularity of the product has been encouraging. As latest updates for this week, we're out, but you can still catch Entity Evening News with Stephanie Cox. That's at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, last one of the week. From everyone at Entity Business, thanks so much for watching. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.